welcome to Wobzone, a podcast on sci-fi, philosophy, religion, politics, gaming, and anything else taboo. Taboo! taboo. Hey, so <laughs> we're joined today. Well, first, I'm Ben Vanasic, joined with Tara Smith, not the Tara from A Tara's Tale, but yeah, another Tara. It's going to get uh, confusing, but that's mm, not me. A non-saved being, a, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> someone who is attached to the cult of money, if you like. Tara. Yeah, so that's that's me. That's Tara Smith. Not yeah. to be confused with the, the the Tara on the right path, right? The right path, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we are joined with a very special guest who has uh, come in for a second time, Geraldine Smith, down at Tasmania, which I'm sure is quite cold at the moment. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's actually not too bad today, but we did, <laughs> we did have snow the other week, which, because of climate change, is the only time we've had snow this winter, so... Mm. Yeah. Do you normally get it more? Well, I, was, I spoke to a man at a, a laundrette and he <laughs> emerged from this, like, door behind, like, out of nowhere and started telling me that there used to be snow from, like, April all the way until October on wow. when mm. he was a kid. I was like, shit. That's pretty crazy. And <laughs> That doesn't sound like the most veritable... <laughs> Um, weather person to be hanging around in a laundrette behind a door. But, I mean... Is it, isn't it the word laundromat? What the hell is a laundrette? I don't know. I don't know. I, I see two different ones. I see laundromat and laundrette around Laundrette. Here. What do you say? Oh, you've gone robotic. That's gone robotic. Oh, I don't know. I'm not getting the thing coming up. Just hang on. Tom, are you playing the game? Can you not? Because it's just it's making the data. It's just cr- screwing the internet. <laughs> I'm leaving this in. The yeah. peril of kind of doing everything at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone's playing the game. Um, well, do you say laundrette or, or laundromat, Ben? Uh, it depends if I'm talking to a woman or a man, I suppose. It's the masculine or the feminine. <laughs> right. <laughs> or if the, if the laundromat or et is ma- masculine or feminine. You have to check behind yep. the screen and see what you want to call it. Yeah. Um, well, do you want to, Ben, do you want to explain to our listeners why we're talking about what we're talking about today? Sure. Yes. Okay. So um, last week or last fortnight, we were talking about Scientology and then we, we watched a little bit of Ronson and we wanted to watch some more Ronson. Um, so John Ronson has a documentary um, called Kidneys for Jesus, which is about the Jesus Christians. Um, and Tara had not seen it before. You had not seen the documentary before? No, but I watched it, not this time, but I watched it um, when I was watching all the, the other John Ronson one. I thought I'd just dabble in because I'd, I'd he- heard you mention it. So yeah. Plus, I have an interest in Jesus Christians because of Jerry, so I wanted yeah. to watch it. So then we thought, well, let's, let's return to the Jesus Christians. And it turns out, by, by chance or, or good fortune or luck or whatever it is, Divine Providence, they have released their own documentary called Tara's Tale. Terrace, Terrace Tale. Terrace Tale, yes. Um, yeah, and is this their first like documentary, Jerry? Like, or is it? They sort of. I know they produce a lot of material, like, but is this something different about this one? Uh, they've had other documentaries, like, mm-hmm. um, they've had a doc- 
like a two-part documentary that was just generally on their lifestyle and that was yeah and they've done a lot of other videos that kind of maybe border on documentary style but um yeah this has been probably the first documentary they've done on an actual experience of someone um returning home as a member of the jesus christians Mm. and uh, having a run-in with a, a cult buster. Mm. Yeah, who's quite um, infamous, isn't he, with the JCs? What's his name again? Uh, Rick Ross. Not oh, to be confused right. with the rapper. Um, <laughs> Rick Roll. <laughs> Rick Astley. Um, yeah, so he, so Rick Ross was also involved in, the, um, in Waco, the Waco siege. And I think yep. there's some suggestion that because he advised um, the FBI that um, because he painted, you know, obviously he saw them as a cult and dangerous, that he had a hand to play in the, um, the violent response by um, the FBI and the, what's the other department, the drugs, alcohol and firearms department. Was he there as a, um, what do you call them? Like a de-escalator or whatever like is that was his role i'm not sure like, he was the one with the megaphone in, i don't know i, I think it was just advisory role right okay yeah but i don't know if that's true like um and he yeah and he does these kind of quite um controversial deprogramming yeah according so, to the yeah so he like so a lot of um people like him the deprogrammers um because of the, all of these court cases that came out um, against them saying, you know, you can't kidnap people and, um, you know, physically torture them, like just because you're a cult buster, uh, they started to kind of change what they called themselves. They don't call themselves deprogrammers anymore. They call themselves exit counsellors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, so I think I can understand that that is actually a helpful thing for some people. Like if you do leave something, a, a group that you've been in your whole life and you don't know how to assimilate back into the normal world. Um, mm. Having that is probably a good thing. Mm. Um, but a lot of them still practice deprogramming, even though it's, it's very like under, um, you know, not, they don't do it publicly or, and they're very conscious of the law. And in um, Tara's story, uh, you kind of, uh, there's kind of a hint that, um, Rick Ross is kind of trading a line between um, kind of stepping over into being being doing something illegal and trying to like keep off from doing that. So, um, like he advises the family when she escapes the second time not to um, try and force her back into the car because you know that's going to be you know physical um, coercion then. But they just follow her with like a bottle of water as she's like running through the the Texan desert, they're like trying to get her back in the car yeah. by promising her water and food and like, oh, we'll take you, you know, if you come back with us now, we promise that we'll take you to the airport or we'll take you back to your friends and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess we should go back a bit. Um, well, first, do you want to, should we do the catch up, Ben, and then get into it? Yeah. Or should we skip that today? I don't mind. All right, so we can, we've done this like twice in a row now, jumped into a topic because we've wanted to talk about the topic. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we haven't spoken to Jerry for quite some time. Yeah, so, so what's been going on? 
Well, Tasmania, <laughs> I'm very lucky um, because there's no COVID cases in Tasmania at the moment. Um, so life is pretty normal. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I have a feeling that because everyone's so relaxed and they're like, oh, you know, we're on the blessed aisle and, you know, we're going to keep the borders closed and we'll be protected. That like when the borders do open and COVID comes back, as it will, um, I think it'll be the next hot spot because everyone's become so relaxed and so kind of, um, yeah, it feels like COVID kind of feels like it's the mainland's problem at the moment. Mm. Um, but I have a feeling that the borders probably won't open for a while because for a lot of Tasmanians, this is like their lifelong dream to be cut off from the world. So, yeah. <laughs> like like Western Australia. Western Australia cannot wait to get rid of the eastern states. They're like, yeah, we're our own country already anyway, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've noticed, like, amongst, like, my Tasmanian friends, they're all like, yeah, the border's closed. Woohoo! Like, this is great. Like, I don't mind it being closed. And then amongst friends that are, like, come from overseas or the mainland are like, please get me out of here. <laughs> like, please, <laughs> we need to escape just for a few days. Like, because I haven't seen my family for a while and, um, It'd be nice if the border was open to visit. Mm. Um, but I'm also happy that I don't have to worry about COVID here. So that's lucky. And other recent news, my housemate adopted two kittens, just like everyone else is doing during mm. these times, adopting animals. Um, and they've kind of become the centre of our lives at the moment. <laughs> like we just probably like 90% of our conversations is observing what the kittens are doing. Like, oh, oh my God, possum just like jumped on this couch. Like, oh, like that's so funny. <laughs> so that, so the, what's their names? There's possum and the other one? Pigeon. Pigeon makes like a, a really cute noise all the time, like a bird, like a yeah. It's really cute. Like, I didn't know that I liked cats, but now spending time with these two. They're like, I think cats are pretty good. Mm. That's the best. Yeah. They are the best. Yeah. Uh, um, Ara, what have you been doing? Um, well, I went to a medical study. Yeah. So I've been, I just got out like four days ago. So nine days testing a drug with another drug. Didn't come out with any new limbs or any <laughs> weird side effects. So it was a win-win, I think. Um, nothing else really new we're going to buy some furniture tomorrow i'm going to buy some desks for the house it's exciting hey you should buy a candy cab like an arcade yeah nah what look behind me i'll do a show and tell because everyone loves it see that that arcade cab yeah like a Uh, desk built i don't want that in my house Mm. you do do. for those listening ben is pointing to a large uh arcade machine (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I'm pointing. I'm now furiously pointing at every part of it. So, <laughs> um, why did you call it a candy cab? Um, that's what they're called. But there's no candy. They they were referred to that because they're like cute and seen as like almost kids things. Cute. Well, if you look at like you know you've seen those big monstrosity cabs, like the big ass massive things. Um, yeah. and they're actually smaller versions of them, which were candy cabs, and then these or referred to candy caps. But you see the, the control panels, there's always like bright colours on right. the, the screens are very bright. 
you'll get to know it when it's in your house and you've borrowed it off me. It'll be fine. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It. It's got a desk in it. I'll send you the measurements. I'll, we'll find a way to, to get it in there. It'll be fine. Where's the desk in it? What, what desk? The, the, the control panel. Well, I can't work at that desk. What are you crazy? I have. You can. But that, what are you, there's like buttons, buttons underneath. Shit. There's like little yeah, nozzle yeah, things. Yeah, your laptop can be just nestled in between the two sticks. <laughs> yeah. And it's perfect. Oh, my and God. When you're finished with your computer, you move it and then play on the arcade machine. Yeah, okay. So it goes right, to me, it's like a dinner table, um, dinner table, yeah. changing table. Yep, I've got photos of Hannah when she was like three weeks old lying across that specific cab. Like I just put her asleep across it and was playing games while she was like lying across. Amazing. It does um, But no, nothing else really happening. I enrolled in a graduate certificate in, in higher education. I don't really know what that means, but I decided to do have another qualification. Why not? Why not just do it? So I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, ben, so you, uh, you've got a storage shed. I do. I yeah, I've, I've rented my storage shed. So finally, after two years of amassing um, lots and lots of arcade machines and screens, um, yeah, Jody and I have bit the bullet and said, okay, well, we're going to seriously do this. We're going to be in this business for a long time. We've survived COVID and everything. So um, we've got to think about what we want the business to be. And that's going to be um, arcade, TCG, board game and video game store. And because of those four things, there's a lot of storage space that you need for that type of business compared to what the old model was. Um, so we rent a small um, uh, storage facility in Picton. Um, I've got the lock here right next to me. It's another show and tell. See? Ooh. Blue lock. It's an able lock. Laminated. I don't know what laminate. Why you need a laminated padlock? I don't know. But it's got anti-pick tumblers. There's lots of stuff with it. It's a fancy Ooh, nice. <laughs> Yeah. But it's in a secure place and it's like got lots of cameras around it and there's insurance and everything. So it's all good. So um, as part of this, I'm buying four arcade machines this week, I think, from Queensland. And I'll probably buy another two from Melbourne next month so just getting them um restoring them putting them in storage and then ready for when the lease changes over or just using it to switch over the the arcade machines in the shop which is kind of cool um yeah jerry since you've last been there i think tara you haven't seen it since the changes but i've got six of my machines in there at the moment so it's wow. quite quite a lot yeah yeah okay hmm. so it's gonna be it's more like um people there to like be entertained rather than buying products yeah and then um the there's a lot of our sales now are from single cards so people are going through folders and going on a computer which doesn't take up much space so we've got a rid of a lot of that older um you know pop vinyl type of of products we've still got a little bit of it but it doesn't take up many many gondolas so we removed basically a third of the shelving out of the store and had all of this empty space um, and I filled it with cabs and it looks a lot better now. Got carpet now as well. Wow. It's lovely. And we were putting shelves up yesterday. Rune was doing it. And there, um, the shelves we got were, um, like shoe racks and Leo, one of my young staffers, he's like, what are these for? No, actually a customer said, what are, what are those for? And Rune's like, oh, it's, it's a shoe rack. We're going to put it at the front door. So that people, when they come in, 
they can leave their shoes there. <laughs> and they thought that he was serious. He's like, oh, yeah, that could work. <laughs> Pretty funny. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'd, we've got things all organised and, and it's busy times at the shop. Busy. Yeah, yeah. wow. Mm. So you've adapted to these challenging times. I have. I have. Oh, I have other news, actually, as well. Um, my friend, Mark Bell, screwed up my, <laughs> my, my world record attempt. Um, just slightly. He's not completely to blame, but he's partially to blame. So I uh, went for the max out of columns for the PAL Mega Drive, which takes nine and a half hours. And at nine hours and 20-something minutes into it, Mark said, hey, I like how your jacket's half off. And then I looked down like this, I'm looking down at my shoulder. And as I did, I pressed down on the control pad and then lost. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that wasn't great. So what, yeah. so wait, what's the record again? Uh, it's maxed out to 99 million, repeat a nine. So 99 million, Of what? Points. So right. you're doing it for points. So it gets fast. It gets um, as fast as it does get about an hour in. And then you can't pause it, take any breaks, um, or look away from the screen for extended periods of time for the full nine hours. Wow. And you did that? Yep. How did you feel at the end? Um, knowing that you'd lost? I lost pretty bad. I was pretty, pretty shitty for at least... 48 hours and it's been about 48 hours so, right yeah <laughs> they're gonna do it again probably yeah, yeah. okay yeah i think so i'm gonna how, do maybe this were you like getting sustenance given to you as you as you stare at the screen <laughs> so, for nine hours like good question there, like people patting your like forehead <laughs> no so i i have next to me a water bottle which i didn't have any um water throughout the period you obviously don't want to go to the toilet either yeah um, and I had a plate and on the plate I had cut up, um, protein balls into, um, like eighths. Um, so like little bits of protein balls and then joels. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know the, the lollies joels. I had some of those. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I found some chocolate chip cookies. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So I got three cookies and then cut them up and like, I'm calculating the amount of energy you're going to need over the period, but <laughs> not, not needing to go to the toilet as well so yeah i had just like sugary type of snacks in this this little tiny bowl and that's all i could have the whole time so right. as i go through i'd like almost reward myself after doing half an hour i'd have like one one thing and then another half an hour and need another thing yeah okay yeah is that is that going to make it into your phd is like a order ethnographic thing they're, yeah, so I've spoken to people about how they've done it, and it's funny how every every person that's done a world record attempt of a long play thing does things very differently. Um, I haven't spoken to Tim McVeigh yet, who does the nibbler um, thing, but his is the worst. He drinks like the the equivalent of Australian V drinks and eats um, mac and cheese whilst he's playing. Like it's it's quite disgusting. Yeah. He's not smashing any stereotypes, is he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he might as well get a yeah. solo. <laughs> but he does. He's got a, a movie which is Man vs Snake, and he talks about in in it like when he was a kid, and he felt like really rotten, and so then he went home, and his mum made him a 
a bowl of mac and cheese and he ate the mac and cheese. He felt better. Then he lied down on his bed and then slept for two days. Like after his <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> And then went back to the arcade and then, yeah, won, like got crowned the, the champion. Um, it's very funny. But yeah, he's, he's a really funny guy. So there's him. And then there's like Mark Bell who stood at his arcade machine didn't bother to get himself a drink or water or food or anything. Um, and then just stood there and played until Fiona, his wife came home, had dinner ready. And then he felt like his sternum was going to collapse. So <laughs> there's many. Right. How long was he playing for? Oh, it's like eight hours. Wow. The eight hours is different to mine. Mine's sitting on a couch with a control pad, like small movements. His is standing at an arcade machine jamming on a button constantly so that action it's just like doing um like repetitive stress um mm. action even if it's a little bit and it starts to affect your chest and yeah for sure yeah um and mark's you you know mark like we all know he's quite a tall guy and he's hunched over a machine so he's yeah. like yeah his back would have been mm. killing um yeah but i'm sure his shirt was on properly <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> jacket gate <laughs> Jacket gate is what it's being talked about on the Discord. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So, yes, I, I will talk about it a little bit in my PhD, I think, because I think it's interesting that people approach the games with um, uh, in different ways. John Tannehill, who's got the, the record for Space Invaders, is probably the most like me. He, he prepared, like, playlists for himself, and he wanted something that he could rock out to, but that also something that would keep him awake. So he chose... Um, girly electronic pop. Um, oh, so in his okay. space, Space Invaders world record, you can hear like electronic versions of Britney songs and stuff. Um, <laughs> <in the background>. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that kept him like awake and able to count, like, because he, he's counting in his head um, the number of shots and the number of, of um, ships he's destroying and stuff. For wow. Space Invaders. Um, yeah, so I gotta, I'm going to have to prepare a longer soundtrack because I only had the Tetris effect soundtrack on repeat for nine hours and that is an hour-long um, soundtrack, but it got a little bit repetitive. Did you dream, that, like, at night that you were still playing? Yeah, um, I used to as a kid. Um, I don't as much anymore because I played so much of Columns, but, yeah, it's it's just natural to me, like, now. it's But, yes, you, you start to, to see the colours and... Um, see the patterns of what you have to do. But then after like six or seven hours, you're making mistakes because of the, the fatigue. And also you can't see the patterns as well. So sometimes it slows down okay. and then you'll get back into the mode and it'll be faster. So it's, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, so nine hours wasted. It's okay. I've got heaps of it's, time. Let's practice for next time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. My grandmother called me up yesterday and she's like, please don't be upset. Just try next year. It's okay. Oh. I don't understand oh. it, but it'll be oh. all right. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> all right. Should we get stuck into it? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. let's go. I, I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about Jesus Christians. I also want to talk about Dave McKay personally um, and the, like the, the personality cults if you like um and i say cult in a non-derogatory way but um yeah the the personality type religion so maybe jerry do you want to give 
just an introduction to the JCs, what their history is, and then just a quick recap um, of where they are today. Right. So, um, so the reason I'm connected to the JCs, just to read, uh, remind everyone, um, I did an honours project on them. So it was about a year where I uh, did field work with them. I um, spent a lot of time with them, spoke to them about what they believe and their practices. And I participated in some of their practices as well. So, um, so they're probably best described as a, a radical Christian group. There's only probably less than 100 worldwide of JCs. And they're spread out over Australia, the UK, um, the US, uh, South America, um, Europe. Like they kind of move around a lot. They're very nomadic. Um, a lot of them live in camper caravans. Some of them live in actual houses. Um, and they all live together. So it's a kind of, it's a 24 seven life. Um, once you become a JC, you're the community, uh, that's, that's your kind of your family, like that you do everything together. You, um, uh, you leave your previous friends and family, you leave your job, um, you sell all of your possessions um, and you go and live in community. And um, that can be a kind of, uh, that's where a lot of controversy lies is, um, is that process of leaving everything in your life to join. Um, so just a rundown of what they believe. So the, the JCs will tell you that, we actually follow the teachings of Jesus. And I know saying that to a lot of people, it's like, oh, that's what are you talking about? That's what all Christians do. Um, you know, why are they saying that they're Jesus Christians? Uh, for them, they take what Jesus said literally. So uh, mm. they don't, they're not interested in Paul and all of the things that come after are not interested in Acts. These things all a part of their theology, but the teachings of Jesus as it's told in the four gospels is prioritized as their main source material. There's, there's so what, certain things which are, are prioritized. Um, yes. This got to the conversation like we, I think I was joined in with Dave and yourself at some point that, so it's the Sermon on the Mount, yeah, but it's not the, the fellowship of the faithful or the continuation of, um, you know, the, the, the meeting of three um, and he will be amongst them, nor the practice of communion um, so much. So it's just that, that Sermon on the Mount speech. So it's almost like, it's not, it's not even a Markian um, view of Christianity, but they've, they've, they've handpicked different parts of um Jesus's words through the, the, the four gospels. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I should clarify. I'm giving a kind of inside um, perspective of who they are. Like, yeah, it is an interpretation. Uh, it isn't, you know, the actual truth. They'll, they'll tell you that, you know, they're following the, the real, the real thing, the real Christianity, but it is, yeah, from an academic perspective, it is just a interpretation. Um, so the way this manifests is, um, they don't work for money. So they think that if you're working for money, you're not working for God, um, which is another area that really freaks people out. Um, the way that they survive is that they do a lot of distributing of their literature. So they 
produce DVDs and books that have their like what they teach and they distribute it on the streets or they do a lot of online work. So they go on YouTube and create a lot of YouTube videos and social media. Um, and, and so they get donations when they go out and distribute and that's how they kind of sustain themselves. But they do live a very sim simple lifestyle, very frugal. They bin raid for their food um, from supermarket bins where they can. Um, they make some freegans, yeah? Yeah, they're freegans. They're bin raiders, dumpster divers. Uh, they, uh, so you can't have a job. You, um, th there's lots of other little things like, um, they're very, they try and be very egalitarian. So they don't like, um, rigid leadership structures. They kind of, uh, they're, they're also really influenced by the Quakers. So there's a lot of similarities with what the Quakers do. So they don't use titles. They don't say doctor, um, or sir or miss or, um, mom or dad because those are titles and that's like that's creating a hierarchy you know they believe in everyone being equal um uh yeah what else they they don't do any rituals so they don't go to mass on sunday they have a rest day on sunday um but they don't they don't have communion um they don't they believe that if you start having rituals that you're creating an institution and if you have an institution you're worshiping an institution, you're not worshiping God. So this is why they, they have a, a kind of a, a bone to pick with um, most of the rest of Christianity because they see a lot of Christians worshiping an organization or an institution rather than Jesus um, specifically. So they're very um, uneasy towards prosperity theology and prosperity preachers who kind of say, you know, if, your um, your goodness with God is indicated by your wealth. So they are kind of a coming out as a rejection of that. Um, yeah. What else? What else have I, I think I've mentioned everything. Mm. Oh yeah. You know, no one owns any um, possessions. It's kind of everything's shared. Um, yeah. I think that gives a picture of what they're like. So the ownership of, of everything being shared, it, so to take a couple of steps back, how, how were Jesus Christians created? What, what's Dave McKay's, um, yeah, how, how did he do this and where did it come about? Um, so uh, Dave and Cherry McKay uh, moved from the US to Australia um, when they're in their 20s, they're in their 70s now. And they started off uh, just doing kind of humanitarian work um, with Indigenous Australians. And, and it slowly developed where they started to kind of experiment with this, this concept of following the teachings of Jesus that they, they would tell you. And it began, and they had four kids. And they began to kind of collect people um, who became interested in um, what they were trying to do. So they started off by doing a lot of culture jamming, which is like um, trying to like disrupt people's uh, being asleep and like kind of wake them up to the world that they're living. So that can be done through art. So they did a lot of graffiti campaigns where they would change billboards and like repaint them to have a different message. And um, they graffitied the Devonshire Street Tunnel in Sydney. Um, and did a lot of performance. So they went out and throw money to people and say, you know, um, 
take the money or they'd make it into little paper planes and throw money into the crowd. They'd stick money on the ground and say that would spell out, um, trust God, not money. They'd burn money. Um, they used to, uh, get dressed up into costumes. So they, um, they once all grew their beards and put on rags and chained themselves together and stood in shopping malls with like plaques that had like kind of fire and brimstone Bible verses on them. Um, they turned up at the Sydney Easter show in um, dressed as babies to um, try and like kind of send the message that we're all chil- you know, children before God. Mm. Uh, so they did a lot of performance art. Then they went to India and they did a lot of humanitarian work there. They um, went to the slums and like built facilities for people. Uh, they kind of built a concrete slab over the open sewer. Um, and they did that for many years. They also did a lot of humanitarian work in Kenya. They kind of had their a compound there where they had like education programs and taught people English. Um, and, and then they kind of moved, they kind of were continually moving throughout the history. Um, yeah. And then around 2010, I think they had kind of experienced a lot of controversies. So from probably the periods of um, 2000 to 2010, there was a lot of uh, media controversy where they were like uh, accused of um, abducting people, kidnapping, um, had a lot of brush-ins with the law where they were kind of, in one case, there was a 16-year-old boy called Bobby Kelly who had um, gotten permission from his grandmother to go with the JCs for like a couple of weeks just to go and help them distribute their literature. and then suddenly it turned into this, oh, um, Bobby Kelly's been kidnapped by them and they, they're forced him to join and can't leave. Um, uh, but, it, but obviously he had chosen and his grandmother had given him permission to go and knew about it, knew the group. Um, so there's a lot of things like that happening. Uh, and then the kidney thing happened, which we'll talk about that in a moment, um, where they were donating their kidneys to strangers and that was creating a lot of controversy in Australia and then they kind of hit a point where they were getting stalked by various cult busters or people that called themselves cult busters and they decided that instead of um, trying to live with this constant harassment going on that they would disband so they would kind of all go off and say all right we are going to go do your own work on your own and we won't have contact with each other for a while. And they went off and did that, but eventually started to come back together again. They still kind of had connections with one another. But they officially said that the JCs have disbanded and, you know, we no longer exist. Um, but obviously they kind of still did continue, sort of. It's kind of a bit of an ambiguous area. And then um, in the last few years, they've gotten into online media. So they've gotten into YouTube videos and producing distributing that way and doing, getting their message out there through the online realm. And that's what they do now, um, especially with COVID when they can't go out and distribute. So they've kind of, they've doubled down and doubled down on their online work. So that's where they are now. 
Yeah, and they're relatively small still in numbers, right, Jerry? Like, what would you estimate their membership is at at the moment? Uh, maybe like from eighty to one hundred people. That's yeah. a very rough estimate because there's always people coming and going, and I I also don't know what happens in a lot of the other teams in different countries, so I don't know what. I only get it. That's the estimate from them. Yep. And in Australia, how many would you say? Uh, uh, maybe anywhere between 10 and 15 yep. at any one time. I guess it's because of the, it's quite an extreme ask. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not something that you would just join lightly or if you weren't hundred percent committed. Right. And that's probably turns a lot of people away to some yeah. degree. Yeah. A lot of people are there for the first few months yeah. Um, because it's, it's a really long process to join. Like you don't just turn up and you're joined. You have to like have a probation period. And in that time, you'll people will slowly sell their possessions and, um, you know, it, uh, leave university or yes, kind of pay off their debts. So it's a very slow process. And, um, so people just do it gradually and then eventually some people just say, I can't do this anymore and they move on or they go the full way. Yep. Cool. And that, that organizational aspect of it. So you, what you're saying is that there's a probationary period. Is that in literature or how is that determined? Um, it's not really in the literature. That's just something that I've understood from um, hanging out with them. There's a lot of things that they don't write about and it's, you kind of have to like uh, be there when it's happening. And they're always changing rules and how they're structured because they don't ever want to get stuck on a structure. So they might occasionally they'll be like, oh, you know, we're not going to do this this way anymore. Like, it's causing, let's do it another way. I guess the nature of it though, it, it is a structure and there is a hierarchy. Yeah, that's the thing. So that So that's like... The insider account is that, you know, they're anti-structure and anti-hierarchy, but academically, yes, yes, there is definitely. There's a social organisation there. Yeah. And there is a hierarchy and there is leaders and there's people that aren't leaders. Like, hmm. so, so there is like, there is power, like there is um, distribution of power within it. And it's, you can kind of a discussion about, well, is it, is that wrong or is that right? But I think that there's power in every social context that we're in. Absolutely. We experience these, um, these things in our workplace or at university, in our families. So it's kind of like, is it, is it worse than any other of these social contexts? Then, yeah. well, I don't think that's the point of, of it being negative or positive. But the reason I'm... I'm asking something like that is i think that it connects well excuse the noise that's my fat cat jumping into the garage door um uh the reason why i ask is because uh, it connects with ronson's film and the disagreement that ronson has with with dave mckay um and i don't think mckay quite understood or understands why ronson had difficulties with him um, so maybe we pivot into talking about the the, the kidney um, saga and then um, Ronson's film. So they they give away all their possessions. How does that then connect with giving away kidneys? 
Um, it's, it's a bit of a loose connection. So I don't think it's really to do with their doctrine. Oh, wait, wait, giving... didn't, didn't Dave find, watch a video on, the, <laughs> on an aeroplane or something about a little boy giving his kidney to his grandmother or something? Oh, and then he thought, kid. wow. That movie, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Nope. And then he was inspired. He was like, oh, <laughs> why, do you, like, why can't we do that? And that's where it came from, I believe. Yeah, that's, yep. yeah, that's the story. Um, so I, I wouldn't connect. So I think I've, it connected to a different uh, idea that they have. So rather than it being about giving away what you have to others, I think it's more to do with um, the way that the JC's history has been for the last 40 years. So what they do is they have, because they're always trying to come up with new ideas and new ways of distributing and new ways to like, um, do humanitarian work and help others. They um, they have like periods where they have projects. So they have like, okay, we're going to do this performance art on the street. And that's one project. And the next project will be, oh, we're going to go to Kenya and we're going to teach people English. Oh, okay. And the next project is, oh, you know, why don't we donate our kidneys? So I would interpret it more as like a way of a fight. They're kind of, kind of innovative um, modality of trying to find new ways to live out the teachings of Jesus, as they might put it, um, new ways to like, yeah, to manifest it in the world. And I think that's probably a better way to understand why, why kidneys. Yeah. And in the Ronson documentary, I believe they invited him over because I think he'd, he'd either, he'd had like a, more understanding perspective around sort of fringe groups and they were hoping that by bringing him on board through the kidney journey that he might get ahead of the press and sort of project a story that showed them in a more positive light oh wait no and then they're inviting the mainstream it was all very convoluted but then they're going to invite the mainstream media that would attack them but then they're hoping that ronson's documentary would offer the alternate perspective and make them look harsh i think that's was I don't know, but the, the psychological kind of plan that Dave had through all of that was just seemed so bizarre. Well, <laughs> like, McKay, and I think that's, yeah. He was, he was writing as a... An uh, alias. An alias who was an ex-member or something attacking the group? Um, uh, yeah, he was well, posing as Anita Foster. Yeah, yeah Anita, that's right. And so Anita Foster was trying to manipulate the media to attack and then so Ronson would then write a piece which was more positive and then the shining light comes through um, about the group. It's really <laughs> narcissistic. Like it's quite, I, I don't know if narcissistic is the right word, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's quite controlling. And I think Ronson was surprised at that because um, mm. he, he, he says that in the documentary. Yeah. So the documentary, so um, what's the story? So oh, what was I was saying, I was just going to give an intro of what happened to the documentary. Basically Ronson's just follows them during the kidney journey for each country. Cause there's obviously lots of laws around donating. So I think they could do it in the U S but not in Australia. Yeah. And he says yeah. the U S models better because the U S model, there's a couple of members that are just at one end of the hallway. They find that there's someone that is, um, uh, uh, able to, to receive the kidneys. So they go in, they have their kidneys removed and then they go home and then the recipients have the kidneys and that's all good. Yeah. Um, um, 
but yeah, it's sort of following the journey of, uh, well, do, I don't know the lady's name, Jerry. Do you remember the, the main lady that's donating her kidneys at the beginning? Susan. Susan. So, so it's mostly about Susan trying to find the right donor and she's putting ads on there and, and then her meeting with, I think, three potential kidney receivers. And she does this whole kind of convoluted questionnaire about, you know, the sort of things that she wants for the, to find. And, and Ronson starts off, I think, by being quite on board and then as it sort of keeps going he starts to feel quite sorry for the people that are sort of being string, strung along with these kidneys and think that Dave McKay is doing this more of a media stunt and it, that Dave's not really thinking it through about it and then and then it all goes really sour the whole relationship just goes to shit and then I think is it McKay accuses Ronson of letting a woman die that it's on the blood's on his hands and sends this really like creepy video saying that that you basically killed this woman because uh I, yeah i don't know i couldn't really follow all the logic because it's just so it was so bizarre but that was my my understanding of the documentary what well, yeah so the the um aspect of of letting the woman die was because um ronson took exception to someone who can stand there and say that that person can live or die on the basis of giving up a kidney. Really, the kidney should be given, um, like if you're going to give a kidney, just give the kidney. Why are you sitting there interviewing two people and then deciding who is going to live and who's going to die on the basis of that and pitting two people against each other? Mm. Um, and, and what happens with Susan who sits down with um, the woman in Scotland and she says, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to give it to this other guy, um, the kidney. But one of my the other members might be giving a kidney. Did you want to whole start the whole process with them as well? And the woman from Scotland says, like, I can't be bothered. Like, and that's, you know, the Scottish term of oh, can he be bothered is, you know, I can't be fucked. It's like, <laughs> it's, I don't want to know. Um, and... Yeah, he, she, so Ronson then is taking exception to that part of it and McKay then pulls back the whole experience and says, well, okay, yep, that woman, um, because you've got involved and because you're not positive about this and, um, you know, you're attacking us on the basis of that, that, um, you know, the blood's on your hands. Yep. I'd be I interested... Oh, Jerry, I was going to be interested to see, like, does Dave ever talk about what what happened? Like, does he have his own perspective of what happened? I'd be interested to know. Um, so I think some context is good here. So uh, Dave started as a journalist. Um, mm. And a lot of the uh, what they've done throughout the years has been a lot of media. So they do these... these uh, performances or um, these stunts to get media attention. So in a way, the kidney donations was to get the media's attention because I think they saw it probably as a utilitarian way, like, oh, if we raise awareness of it, more people will do it, more people will donate. Um, Yeah, so I think that context is probably needed. as for like their um, perspective on the documentary, um, I haven't really spoken to them specifically about that, or if I have, it hasn't been very much. So I, I don't actually know what 
um, what they would say in response to that. Like mm. it was a long time ago. Yeah, it's so yeah. It's like a hot topic. Oh, a little bit of it. <laughs> we had hot topic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I felt sorry for Ronson. He felt seemed like he was. Oh no, sorry. Uh, by how Dave McKay had flipped it like that. Mm. Is that working yet? Yeah, yeah, you're working. You're back. You were lagging behind us. We're now up to the same time zone. Um, <laughs> so, actually, on robotic voices, why the hell does Dave make his voice robotic and, and deep in videos? Uh, well, two reasons. So, initially, um, because they the JCs had disbanded, and I'm putting that in, in quotation marks. Yeah, they're, they're, um, for the visual followers <laughs> of today, there is quotation marks. <laughs> um, uh, they didn't want people to know at first. When they started with the YouTube channels, they didn't want people to know that it was the JCs, and they didn't want so that Dave didn't want it to be known that he he's Dave McKay. Mm. Um, but the reason that they've continued um, is because it's, it, it's created, they've created this character called voice who is played by not just Dave, but by other JCs and they all have their, they're all male voices and they're all, um, lowered. Is this like, the voice in, so that, in the desert? <laughs> yeah. So it's, so, uh, it's kind of like, I think it's to create a kind of, um, uh, like ubiquitous or neutral voice that anyone can take on and take on the persona of a voice, it which is like the, on camera. <laughs> well, that's old videos now, like with um, the new voice in the desert videos, which is kind of the main videos. Um, that's what they do. So there's previous right. videos of him doing it probably back when he didn't want people to know who's Dave McKay, but now it's become, it's but a it's persona. <laughs> it's a, it's a character on their channel. But Jerry, it's him on camera. <laughs> That, no, not not in the new videos. Like, no, I'm pretty the sure old, it, the old videos is him on camera and his voice is lowered. Yeah. No, but even in the no, Tara documentary, towards the end, his voice is lowered for sure. Yeah. Like when he's talking, yeah. he's like. Uh, at the end, he does yeah. like a little summary. He's like, uh, "And this is why we don't like so and so." And his voice has definitely been lowered. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. Is they they at first it was a like to anonymize him, but now it's like continued on as this like. I don't know to create this. It's persona now. It's now it's voice. It's, it's, so it's, like, not, it's not actually. It doesn't actually make him anonymous because it's a response video and it's him. You can see it's him. It's him on the camera, <laughs> and he's just lowered his voice. It's like, um, it's like someone putting on like a fake mustache, which is obviously <laughs> that person or a monocle. I'm not this person. No, um, no, no. It, rem- it reminds me of those of those when you'd call someone up with a ransom note, right? Like, yeah. my name is, is, is Tara. Like, if you do not come and pay this amount of money by this time. Because, like, and I get it, Jerry, like, having a voice that you could use at any time that anybody could use for their videos makes sense. But not if there's a visual associated with it. What, what video are we talking about with the visual? There's- so there's a video response in, in the um, Kidneys for Jesus at the end oh, of it. But even in the Tara oh, video. Oh, in the Tara yeah, video. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure his voice has been deeper well, on that. Well, in the Kidneys for Jesus, that's like years. That's 2003 before any of the online um, mm. work. Yeah, so it's before still, Voice in the Desert. 
But he's still still doing the the lowering the voice thing, which is. But I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure even in the Tar video he does it. Oh, unless his voice is just super super deep. No, 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 because you can hear him Um, at points where he's talking, and there's like it's it's lighter, and it's not. You can hear the decibel tones that is just um, it's being doubled over itself or something. Anyway, we'll investigate that. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) No, we won't. (laughs) No, we won't. Um, but anyway, do we want to talk more about that? Or do we want to talk about the Tara video? Oh, do you want to talk more about Ronson? Um, well, uh, yeah, so him taking exception to, to McKay also flows through with something else, which, which we touched on a little bit, which is the organisational structure of it. Uh, and the, what Ronson, I don't know if he uses the term, but the slippery nature of day where he's just trying to get an authentic view. So the point, the point of Ronson and the point of, of people like, um, I don't know, Safran and, and, um, you know, those type of journalists that we've spoken about the last couple of episodes is trying to get this authentic experience to sit down with someone. And Ronson starts his film by saying that this, you know, documentary started off with being, um, a light-hearted look at um, Christians who are giving up kidneys for Jesus. And if it was, if that's what it was, that would have been a positive experience for him because he would have been able to show that this group is actually authentic and it's, it's all good. The manipulation of, of Ronson, I think, is, is the falling point of, of McKay. Um, so whether he's using his, his previous um, uh, media experience or not, um, that's, yeah, it, it didn't fly, fly well with Ronson. Um, and where there's the video of, um, the Fox news, um, report. So maybe if we jump into that, so there's a trial that's going on inside a room and then there's friends of the person outside, but they're actors, you said, Jerry? So, do you want me to tell the full story of why they're there? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, what happened was, um, so this is going to confuse me because the names are so similar. John Johnson. <laughs> J- John, John, sorry, I'm really confused. So, okay. So, a young JC member who was turning 18 or turned 18 joined the JCs and that was fine. And then he went back with um, two other JC members to his house to collect some of his possessions. And while they were there, his father and his brother bashed up one of the JCs. Mm. So the the whipping trial was a response to the fact that the police didn't do anything about it. So this guy, so the, the bashing was actually filmed on a camera. So they had evidence of it happening, but the police heard the word cult and they didn't want to do anything about it. So this is their, their way of like publicizing and bringing attention to the fact that this happened and no one's, there's been no justice. And the guy who was bashed, like was seriously injured, like pretty much he has lifelong um, damage from that event Mm. so what they wanted to do was they had a mock trial in this room and then they were um in kind of 
in lieu of the family not being there, they took upon themselves the punishment of that event. So it was a kind of this ritualistic way of dealing with the, the injustice of it and trying to find a way to reconcile what happened. So that's why they're whipping each other, is they're taking on the punishment. Um, so they invited Fox News to cover the story. And what, they to what the JCs told me is that um, the Fox News had these, they ha I think they, the father is real who comes up. So they come up to the, the hall and they have to lock the doors because the father and two of Jay's friends, two of John, of the kids' friends, um, have turned up. And, and so as they're leaving, the JC that joined says, I've never seen you before in my life. And they kind of film that to, to be like, oh, look, he's brainwashed. He doesn't even recognise his friends. But then later, like, I was told by the JCs that they were actors. Like, he didn't actually know who they were. That's why he said, um, I've never seen you before in my life, because he actually hadn't. So that's, that's what I was told. Um, and, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's why, they, that's why that happened. Yeah, okay. Quite weird. Yeah. Um, the, I don't know. The, the report of how it's done and, and this constant drive to try and get media attention um, for a group which is quite small by Dave, I think misses the authenticity of the group because it seems to be a striving for media attention or attention at large um, for whatever reason. And I don't quite understand the purpose because it's not prophetization and it's not organisational. So is it narcissistic? Is, is that what the whole purpose of the group is? Is this Dave's plaything to, to create? Or, like, what, what's the mission here? So I don't think it's I don't think it's narcissism because so the narrative that gets attached to groups like this is that the the charismatic leader stands at the centre, kind of pulling the strings and you know cr creating the world around them. Mm. But when you're actually in the group and you do meet them, you realise that a lot of the decisions and a lot of the ideas aren't coming from Dave. Some do. And like, and, and like, I'm not discounting the fact that Dave does have a lot of power and that he is a very big personality in that community. Mm. But I think that you also have to regard the agency of the people within that community, that they have a voice. They have, they have their own ideas and they have their own motivations of things that they want to do. So to it's look at it, Pardon? It, it becomes a group think. Like it's a, it's a community. They call yeah, it so, a community and it becomes this group think um, using the 1984 term. Like, so it's a. Uh, yeah. I don't know yeah. if I'd say group think, cause then that kind of implies that they're kind of, they're not acting as individual agents and deciding for themselves what they think. It's kind of makes it sound like they're just agreeing and like, yes, that's, yes, that is exactly what I think which I know does happen to a certain extent. People tend to want to agree with the group. And I know that's, that's group psychology, but I also don't want to discuss the, the agency that a lot of, that the community members have and that, that they, they don't want to be thought of as mindless 
zombies because because they're not like they're all people that have made decisions and they're all um, navigating their individual thoughts and motivations with the community's motivations. And I think that that's the nuance that needs to be remembered. It's a, it's a very, it's a navigation between individual and structure that, that goes on. And mm. in some cases, maybe people do kind of go, Oh, okay. I, I have a different thought, but I'm going to go with what the group says or, and then, but people do speak out. People do disagree. That's the other thing. So I don't think framing it as one person's kind of um, narcissistic journey really captures uh, the, the complexity and nuance that goes on. It, it's like there's no, there's no simple way of understanding this group. It's always nuanced. It's always complex. So I think I, I genuinely believe that their motivations to get more people to donate kidneys so that people can have quality of life and, and live. I genuinely think that, that that was their motivation. I, I, are they still doing Pardon? Are they still doing it? No, I, I don't think so. I haven't heard about it. I don't think. So, yeah, yeah. If, if it was, that was their motivation, they would still be doing it. Well, the, well, I think Jerry did say before that it was also to, to get the media attention, right, Jerry? Yeah. Like you said that just before, that that was an aspect. Yeah. yeah, so, okay, so the other aspect is they probably do want people to, they want to raise attention about themselves as a group. Mm. But, but that's the thing is that they don't, they don't do things for long periods. They don't like getting into doing the same thing all the time. So they like to move on and... Yeah, and also, also, I think the the thing with the kidneys is that it was causing a lot of um, difficulty because you know there was other members that went and donated in different countries after the documentary, and that in itself was generating um, difficulties for the community. Mm. Yeah, it seems. I know you're saying that, that there's this group aspect and there is room for disagreement and such, but there is a charismatic leader that is the head of this group. Um, and everyone, everyone is sort of not, not just following that person, but the, they are um, surrounding that person or being close to that person. So it'd be interesting to see when Dave, Dave's getting on in the years, um, when he's 70, yeah, you said is that right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, what happens in the next twenty to thirty years when the leader's no longer there? Where do they go, and what happens? And is there going to be a succession of leadership, mm. or how how it it, it will change? Um, and I, in the other videos we watched, we watched a number of people that were attacking the JCs, and they've got their own forms of Christianity and their own forms of internet um internet engagement yeah yeah so it's not even televangelism because it's this is the thing that i don't understand quite about it because i've studied um uh abrahamic faiths and generally they want to get more members because you want to save those members that's your main modus operandi but the jc's are not interested in that it's almost like they view themselves better and 
more heralding of the truth and they just want to tell everyone about that they've got the truth and you can't have it because we've got it. Um, which is a strange thing. It's different. Sure, but I mean, they still want people to join. They obviously think that their way is the correct way. Like you don't think that they're wanting people to, to take up the, watch the videos and be inspired to join. Oh, I think, I think the mentality is here that they like being the small fish, which is shocking. Um, and they want to continue doing that. You think it's like veganism, Ben, like going out in the streets and, and like showing up like it's your dead animals. Market. There it is. It's your vegan <laughs> markets. <laughs> so is that what you think? Like they're, they're showing dead animal, dead calves while people are walking out of the butchers as like a kind of, what's like, what do you call that word? Like smugness, that there's a smugness yeah. of like, you'll never be as good as we are. Like just like ordinary Christians will never be as Christian as we are. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I think is that, that what you see that there? Yeah, and I think that if they got too big, there would be a large organisation and then that would go against what they actually view themselves as, so then they would splinter again. Mm. I think that's an interesting perspective, but I guess, I don't know, like I think to join would, is just such a big task. I don't know. I think that the people that do join, I mean, that that's such a huge commitment. I, I could never imagine myself doing oh, it. I, I don't know. If you look back through history, say the, the, the life of St. Anthony was written bloody in, what, 200 AD of, of monks that have mm. gone into the desert and given up everything. From there, you've got mm. people that climb up pillars. You know, Simon of Starlights is actually climbing up a pillar, sitting on top of a pillar, being a monk and being brought food all the time. And then that creates this, this monastic community through Christianity, at least. And I know it predated, there was, there was Jewish monasticism before that. Um, and both on the masculine and fem feminism aspect of it, um, that's giving up everything. And that's actually giving up everything. It's giving up connection with people. It's, it's absolutely, it's going even further than what the JCs have done. Um, I don't think it's impossible to do that because there's more monks in the world today in every religion than there is the number of JCs. Mm. So um, you think that there's a, there's a, disingenuity in the way that they're, that they're doing that they're not forsaking ego or something like that, Ben, you think they're missing something? Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's, I, 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 I just fail to grasp the point aside from sitting there in the corner saying we're better than you. Mm. That's, I think, that's what I think it is. And I think it's a nice community. And I know there's, there's probably nice members that are part of it and, and they do some good in the world. There's, there's no doubt about that. They do free labor and, and um, there would be a connected community. But in the end, it's a group of friends that are following around a single charismatic leader that isn't interested in getting any more members, but is interested in being the loud voice in the room. I don't know if that's the case. Like, I think they do want members and I think they do, they do want to grow. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I honestly don't think that for them, it's all about Dave. I think for most of them, it's about the the concept of the JCs. It's about the community as this like um, this ideal mm. of what it gives. You know, I think they. Uh, I think you, you kind of do have a point in that, like. Um, 
the the amount of kind of real Christians in the world is meant to be small. Like when, uh, like bringing in the kind of uh, eschatological um, aspects, like there isn't that many people that are, um, you know, warriors of Christ. I don't know what the right term is. This is in there. There is like, yeah, there is this dynamic of um, they are going to be the the martyred minority Hmm. who hold the truth and the rest of the world are going to take the mark of the beast and um, give in to mammon. Um, So there is that dynamic. So in a way you do have a point, but I don't think that they, I don't think for any of, for most of them, maybe some of them, I don't know. I can't speak to every single one. Maybe for like, they don't see it as a Dave cult. Hmm. They see it as I'm following the teachings of Jesus I'm going to forsake all because that's what Jesus said to do. Um, I like being in a community. And yeah, this is and, the and best with these thing people that care about me 24-7 and, and are in this warming, nice environment. And, I, yeah, I, I, get yeah. I totally understand that, and I think that that's right. I think um, when it gets down to it, though, when you see the actions and you see the actions of Dave, that the most interest here is getting the, the highlight of the group and then moving on to the next highlight and the next highlight and it continues. They, they've done so many different things. Um, like you're saying, you know, they've done the, the, the money stunts and then there's the crawling, was it crawling across the desert or walking across the, the Australian desert with nothing? Oh, he also did the hunger yeah. strike, Ben. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, the hunger strike oh, yeah. <laughs> where he was eating anyway, um, or drinking or doing something. Um, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I can't, I didn't, Eight for like. Well, he was having days. sustenance. Was he? Yeah. There's, How there's, do you know? Because there's photos of him sitting on a chair with like water bottles and stuff next to him, and you know, drinks. Next yeah, to him. he's drinking water. He wasn't eating food. The hunger strike, not a thirsty strike. <laughs> what else yeah. was, he, was he drinking anything else? I don't know. I don't think <laughs> so. I, I'm, but I, I don't think he cheated. Hmm. <laughs> I, think I don't know. Is there something so wrong, Ben, about uh, like wanting to promote or like you know show your ideas? Like uh, like the fact that there's a performative aspect to what they do. I don't know why that 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 necessary. No, I don't. I don't think there is, and I I I don't think that that's a problem. Um, but when you're saying that you are being authentic and that there is a level of truth to this, but then you you peel away the layers of the onion and it shows that you actually you're trying to manipulate a situation to, to, to be perceived in a certain way. I think that's an issue. But isn't that all like media? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I don't isn't know, Jerry, public like public relations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. But- and, and so the PR stunts um, that, that Dave has done here um, is getting in the way, I think of what some of the members um, and what maybe his own theology actually is asking for. You know, to be honest in in whatever view of Christianity um, or whatever view of of, of Jesus that you're following, um, I think that there's just this other stuff that's getting in the way. So they're not being authentic to themselves. Yeah. But what what does that mean though? Like, like, the reality of all this is that it's it's all a construction they've all like they've constructed this religious world like why why do they have to follow like 
a certain set of rules or why can't they, why can't they do things creatively or innovatively? Like what, there is no authenticity really. It's just a group that is doing certain things and believing certain things. And okay. Like there might be contradictions, but there's contradictions in every worldview and, and hypocrisy in the things that we do. And that's, that's something that happens. Not every religious leader is then acting as another person and writing as a woman and then putting out videos and threatening someone and like it's it's bizarre yeah but you have to remember that again like dave isn't the community i think he's just a a face that is and he does have power but like there's a whole other group of people there that um that he doesn't represent Mm. why don't we why don't we shift to the Tara, the Tara documentary. Oh yeah, I think Tara. we're going around in circles. Tara's documentary. Yeah. Tara, oh, <laughs> let's go back. Tara. Let's move it to Tara. Not, not this Tara. I, I think the other Tara. Yeah, I think what what it is, and just I'll just quickly bounce off that though, because it's it's sort of like once you say you're like uh, the best of something, so like you know the best sort of Christianity. There's a certain idea there that that um, oh, how do I explain it? That then they, you expect a certain standard. I think what Ben's maybe seeing is that there seems to be a bit of a difference between the sort of what they're preaching and and how they are. But I mean, yeah, that's like so. They're just flawed. People are flawed. I think Dave McKay is a very flawed and and strange individual. So, you know, I don't think he's the, would necessarily be the best person to be the poster boy of a particular group. But as Jerry was saying, it's anyway. I'm not really helping wrapping anything up. So let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was just a ramble. Yeah, just throw, I had no idea what I was saying. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Tara in the desert. This was an interesting one. This whole story seemed very bizarre and I, I felt sorry for the girl, but the way that they did it just seemed so robotic and like, I don't know, it was a weird documentary. Do you the want to tell us about it, Jerry? The interview technique. We were speaking about this before we started recording. Um, so <laughs> if, yeah. If you give a background, cause you know, Tara. Um, so be interesting to, to hear your view. And you actually, you're featured in the documentary. I saw a picture. I mean, I'm in the, the background yeah. <laughs> an image. But yeah. you, your, your name's not there, which is like a, a terrible oversight. So if Dave's listening, <laughs> I think you should update the documentary and post like the esteemed, <laughs> um, what does Wikipedia call you? anthropologist or something or i don't know <laughs> something um it was also weird because dave was also in the background of that photo <laughs> so it was like yeah. it was like a photo used to to explain the relationship between dave and tara as being close yeah. and then he's in like the background in what looks like to be like a wheelchair but or a chair <laughs> no, <that's> <laughs> and you and her yeah. at the front that's the hunger he's strike. like lurking in the yeah. background yeah well that's well, that the, the point strike? like like yeah it was during the hunger strike I think that's why they wanted the photo because they wanted to indicate that Tara was connected to Dave or something. I think, I don't know. Um, So, okay. So the story goes, so I, uh, okay. So Tara um, was on a, came back to visit her family who live in Texas um, to go to her brother's wedding. And um, she'd just been on a, a 35 hour flight and arrived to the ranch, which is I think like 60 miles 
to the next town or some ridiculous it's distance. Nowhere, eh? Like when yeah. she's explaining how far it is away and then it's then further away and it's like a six mile <laughs> driveway. Yeah. Something they've got. Just completely isolated. Sounds terrible place to live, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why did they live there? I don't know. I was confused. I was also confused yeah. the fact that they all lived in RVs, but they had a, a guest house, but they didn't live in their house. Yeah. Like, why not right? just move the RVs next to the road? Like, <laughs> why not live in a house? Like <laughs> six miles um, away. Like, why would you not just, it's bizarre. Anyway. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. It is weird. Um, so she goes there and um, they don't let her sleep. And oh, wait, wait, wait. Her... But she joined the Jesus Oh, yeah, Christian so she, she's what, a JC like a year ago? Point. Yeah, like yeah. a year or two years ago. And she didn't want um, to have she... family. She's just email correspondence. Yeah, so she just had emailed them and she thought that they were great, like they, that they were just completely accepting of her. Mm. Um, so that's why she felt like she could go and visit them because they had been really, you know, amic- amicable. Mm. Um, so she goes back to the ranch and they take away her laptop and her phone. So she can't contact the other JCs. Um, and then they keep her up all night and they, um, they tell her that she's going to talk to Rick Ross in the morning. So Rick Ross, um, he's the guy, he's the cult buster. And the JCs have had run-ins with Rick Ross before. Um, he's been very vocal against them. Um, and so she stays up all night. They keep talking to her so she can't sleep. And then in the morning Rick Ross comes and sits down with her. And another thing I should mention is that, um, is that Tara's father, uh, has a history of abuse. So, um, she mentions in it that, uh, that she was used to get, um, like beaten with a belt as punishment and that her brother was also um, physically abused. And the mom, so, I believe. Yeah, I, I think. So. Yeah. But it's all, in, it's all in the documentary. Um, so there's kind of, you have to remember that there is this kind of risk of violence kind of underlying this scenario. Um, and so she sits with Rick Ross and he starts telling her that she's got the wrong interpretation of Christianity and, Da, 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 and that she needs to leave this the JCs, um, and then the first time they so her father and Rick Ross step outside. So Tyra takes an opportunity to um, run away barefoot. So they've taken her shoes away. So she starts running down this six mile six mile driveway with nothing done a, in her pajamas. She looks barefoot. for her shoes. She she, <laughs> she keeps saying in the documentary that she looks for her shoes, and it keeps going to this shot of her looking covered. <laughs> Push him shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Where are the shoes? Yeah. And then she says that as she was let in, she took off her shoes and that was the last time she saw her shoes. <laughs> but you think about it, like in that scenario, <laughs> shoes are like the most important thing. Like, yeah. like yeah, it's it is. <laughs> but it's funny, like the highlight, the highlighting choice of the documentary and then going back to the shocking elements that are there. Like really the shocking element is, that your family's fucked up and they've driven you six miles in the middle of nowhere and then they want to keep you awake all night. Yeah. Convert you back to whatever, you know, way of, of thought there is. That That's what there is to it. But then the shoes keep coming up. The shoes, shoes, shoes. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, so yes. Yeah. yeah. Running so she down runs off and obviously, 
yeah, obviously her feet are getting blistered um, and her, her brother follows, I think her brother or her father follows in the car and get, makes her get back into the car and drives her back to the ranch. So then she sits again with Rick Ross and then another, um, her mother gives her a pair of gum boots to wear mm. and thinking that, oh, this is a clumpy shoe that you can't run in. And also another thing I should add, Tyra is an excellent runner. She is one of the fastest runners in the community. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Wait, how, how do you know? You've been ra- you race each other? Yeah. We, every, when I stay with the JCs, um, we go running every every day or every, like we have a competition and we all do PBs and compete. Is that to practice running away from your family <laughs> when they kidnap you? They do like, okay. like whole kidnapping drills. All right, run, run. Here comes your father with a shotgun, run. <laughs> That's awful. Anyway, so she, she has the gum boots and then she, so tries she, is- to, she escapes again, right? Yeah. And she, so she runs these gum boots and gets onto the main road. Um, she's in the hot, like Texan heat. She's had no water. So, and it's like, I'm just going to make it to the next town. And there's like people driving past, but no one's picking her up because um, one of her, her family's driving behind her, um, waving at them to keep going. And there's also elements where they're like, they're presenting water to her, just try and convince her to get back in the car and saying, um, you know, we promise we'll take you like back to your friends if you just get in the car, which if I was her, I definitely wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them. Um, so eventually she comes across uh-huh. a border patrol officer because they're quite cr- close to the Mexican border and he can't really do anything, but he takes her to this um, uh, roadside cafe, petrol station or something. Diner or something. Yeah. And um, she is able to contact the JCs from there. And so she, yeah. And um, so old lady kind of overhears what's going on and offers to let her stay at her house. And so um, Tara stays at this woman's house but leaves, like, in the middle of the night because she's scared of, like, this woman kind of being convinced by her family that she shouldn't let Tara leave, which I think actually it sounds a bit, like, dramatic, but I honestly think that that probably was a good idea that she kind of just left and the JCs picked her up and she's fine. Um, But, yeah, that was the documentary. Mm. So, the interview technique my... is a bit strange. What, Ben? The interview technique was pretty um, yeah. comical. Uh, it was like the reenactments were like today, tonight, or like, you know, those terrible reenactments where they're like, it would just be like the hands gripping or like zoomed in or like just really yeah. strange footage. But I guess what else are they going to put in with it? They obviously yeah, don't yeah. have any footage from the thing, so... Mm. Um, also, the yeah, the was like 48 hours and then, yeah, like it's craziness over that 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And such a, a dangerous situation. Like you yeah. do wonder if she had stayed and continued to say, you know, I'm not going to listen to what you say, like if it had escalated or how long they would have kept her there for. Hmm. I kind of, I think it would have, it, it feels like it could have been a lot worse. It also just seems like a really counterintuitive strategy to get your family members back. Wouldn't you want it to be like fun time, wonderful time when they visited? 
and like so that they see what they're missing and you know you just really be like a great atmosphere and then if they decide to go back i mean the more you push the more they're going to be like this is exactly what the other side would do do you know what i mean like this is they've warned me about this you know so it (laughs) just seems so stupid by the family um to think that 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 sleep deprivation or something would work like did he did um rick ross have uh, times when that has worked, do you know what I mean? Like, I just think it would yeah. make it so much worse. Must yeah, have, but like, it, he, like, got a business based on that, and he must have some success stories. Mm. Yeah, oh. But I think um, because they're coming at from the angle that Tara hasn't made a a rational decision as an mm. adult, they're coming at as she's been coerced and brainwashed. And she can't, she has no rationality and it's been taken away from her. So we have to brainwash her back. Her. Yeah. But the thing is, it's like, it's not just like, oh, we have to make her believe that this isn't true. We have to make her also adopt our version of Christianity instead, because that version of Christianity is wrong. So in a way, it's like a, like a, her, like a heresy problem. Like it's not just about, oh, this is a weird group. It's no, they're heretical and they need to be stopped. Yeah. And they're uh, all, I don't know. So they were from an evangelical background, or what? What was their background? I don't it? actually know. I, I I can't remember. Christian, I think, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, that's everyone is. So that's... yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they live in Texas. Like, yeah. <laughs> why would they live there? Yeah. Um, do you have any sort of follow up, Jerry? Like, where's is Tara back in Australia now? Uh, I don't know. I, I have no idea where she. I'd be interested to know what, like, whether she is still in contact with her family or if she's been able to repair it at all or what's the story? I mean, I think what I've heard is that she really wants to, um, she wants reconciliation, which is very graceful, I think. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all I've heard. I don't know if they've been in contact or what the, the end of the story is. So the, yeah. this, this whole thing happened after um, the... A hunger strike, yeah? Yeah. Mm. Months after. Yeah. yeah. And I also thought what was interesting about the documentary is that at the end, Dave does like a little follow-up about how this is a documentary and it's from their perspective and stuff, which I think would have been great in the beginning of the documentary <laughs> rather than at the end, right? Like like some sort of disclaimer. Like not that it matters, but I just thought it was an interesting choice to put that at the end, whereas I think it would, be, would have been more effective to give a sort of heads up about the context of the film in the beginning. Mm. I don't think I think they don't I think they also don't want to frame people's because people if they see that disclaimer bit they go everything that is said from this point on is incorrect and a lie mm. yeah that's how people will view it so I understand why they do it at the end like it's still there but at least it's like people can watch it thinking yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like a true it. story to me. I don't know why she would have made it that up. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like it would be yeah. a strange story to to create out of nothing. And and you know, and then I know that the, that Rick Ross did a little statement saying that he didn't do anything illegal and they didn't hold her against her will. But like, why would anybody run outside of their house if it wasn't serious? You know what I mean? Well, even if mm. they didn't hold her against her will, she's in the middle of nowhere with no shoes, with no vehicle. Nothing. Mm. Yeah. No ability to sleep. No ability to move. Um, Yeah. It's, yeah. Exactly. Shitty experience. Um, I liked at the end of the video how the clip art pop ups. So, 
There's those things that pop up in um, the JC's video. So if, if um, yeah, anyone listening hasn't seen any of their videos there. Um, <laughs> so I, I say that they're not the best made, but there's interesting like cartoons and clip art images that pop up a lot of the time in them. And it's a very 90s, maybe early 2000s style yeah. of video production. Um, and that wasn't there throughout the whole documentary. It was very like um, 60 minutes today, tonight style throughout the whole thing. And then at the end, there's the back to the, mm. you know, things. <laughs> Jerry, did Tara edit her, herself? Because I know that she did a lot of the media work for ah, the yeah, JCs. Yeah, I was interested in that too, yeah. Yeah, did she uh, do that herself? <laughs> I don't know. She might have. Like, but yeah, there's a lot of them do that now. So, because they've got nothing else to do now in COVID. <laughs> They're all like... Um, improving their computer skills yeah so maybe <laughs> fair enough yeah and I said this off camera but I'll say it again that it's fu- ironic so we watched another documentary uh, from the what they called Forsaking All to Follow Christ Service Christi so Service Christi is a guy that, that talks about fringe Christian groups is that his MO Jerry um, I mean or he just hates the JCs. He does like it is a theme. Like I think um, Service Christi, or <laughs> as some like to call it, Service Mammon. Um, <laughs> I think he does do other videos about other groups that he doesn't like. Oh, okay. Yep. He has a website that he also posts articles about, like kind of his own version of his kind of preachings of Christianity, and then a few every once in a while there's a video about him criticizing this person or yep. yeah yeah so he kind of like a preacher yeah he's like a, he seemed it it seemed yeah. like a preacher style so he was just going through all the different reasons why he thinks the jc's have misinterpreted the the bible and so he looks at certain key verses that that they seem to imply that jesus says you know you don't need money and he kind of says well it looked if you look at it in the context it was like there were often individual tasks for that person to do, not for everyone to follow sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which was sort of, I didn't always necessarily agree, but I think he did a pretty good job of looking at the the verses in detail. But what was so funny is that one of the things he says is hypocritical of the JCs is that, that they invest a lot of money in things like editing. And, and and I was saying to Ben and Jerry before that it's so funny because the editing is quite bad. So I don't think there's much money being invested in that. Oh. <laughs> yeah but what did you what did you think ben of because i mean i know you you and jerry probably both have a bit more knowledge of the bible than i do like did you think the kind of the discussion on the hermeneutics and about monetary value was was um, valid like i don't um, know yes and no so you got to build in the context that um like christianity is obviously a religion that that came at the turn of millennia in Israel um, or Judea um, inside a Roman context um, with the, the the money being controlled by either the temple, so everything focused in Judaism towards the temple and the temple being um, uh, almost the, um, you know, the pool, pool of resources for the Jewish people and then um, the Roman taxation of that. So all of that is just missed in the eschatological understanding. And then you've got, a choice of Christians 100 or 200 years later, keeping those specific passages 
in that specific way in the Bible and then what that means for the new Roman emperor, uh, empire and being accepted as a religion. So all of that historical um, aspects is just always missed um, by modern Christians talking generally from an evangelical perspective. Um, and they're usually American, although they can be European, but they, they're usually talking this perspective of their own understanding of capitalism in the world today. And it's completely different, completely different. So yeah, there are some elements where he is pointing out quite rightly that there's choices um, of the JCs in following certain Bible verses and ignoring other things, but there's entire pictures being missed by all of these people um, of the historical aspect of, of, you know, historical Christianity, which is uh, long gone. Mm. And it did seem to me too, like he was really picking and choosing. Like I, I like as much, I don't know much about it, but I definitely think Jesus would, if he'd had a choice between people living and donating their time and energy and living a sort of poor life, preaching the word of God versus someone that's just like rolling in cash. I do think it'd be more than the other side, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Think- but you're using the same methods. The, the thing with Servus Custi is he's, using the same methods as the JCs, but just arguing a different perspective. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. (laughs) Like you, so they're not right, but your version of possibly not right is more right. Like we're we're talking about gray areas here between, um, you know, elements of, of an itinerant Jewish preacher who lived (laughs) 2000 years ago. Yeah. It's true. Uh-huh. And he also says like something, one of the verses he said, oh, it's a metaphor. Like it's, oh, it's allegorical. And it's like, oh, well, come on. Like you can't, have, it's either a lot of it's allegorical or it's not. You yeah, can't, you can't pick and choose. That's a big trigger. That's my whole honesty. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I wrote about origin, the whole thing. So as soon as I heard that, I'm like, ah, fuck. <laughs> why did you say that word? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, um, it, it just sort of discredits the whole like uh, non-allegorical approach he'd previously had, right? To thing, me, it did. Yeah, but it's a misunderstanding of how the the, the perspective stayed. Like, there's there's midrash Bisharim, which is like hidden meanings to texts, and that's it's it's texts that need to be worked to understand what's under there. It's not this simplistic thing of going, oh, this doesn't suit us anymore historically, so we're just going to call it allegorical. <laughs> yeah, it's just dumb. That's it. And it misunderstands what the whole point is. I don't, I honestly don't believe that in a synagogue 2000 years ago and someone was sharing the, um, the story of, um, uh, Moses and the destruction of the world and rebuilding it. I don't think those people took that literally. I honestly don't. I, Mm -hmm. I think that there is, deeper understanding which has been missed that when you have a community completely centered around a a religious perspective and knowledge being spread amongst the book and then book being understood as a bag of scrolls and being completely mixed up and jumbled um all of that is mixed with the way that we view the world where everything now is scientific and um you know there has to be a certain order and structure and way of understanding and things can either be true or not true um yeah it's very it's very different i know jerry what did you you think because your um your education from theology is different to mine so and and you've experienced sitting down with these people is so is dave's view of christianity um is there there's lots of gray areas yeah with with bible passages and 
and words? Um, look, I don't have any theological education. <laughs> so to me, it's all just interpretations and there's no, there's no better or worse interpretation. Like, so I just don't really care about just this Bible passage mean this or that. Um, uh, they don't care either, do they? The JCs, they're not. Oh, they do. They, they do. Like they do have their own, they, I don't know where they get their kind of mix of, uh, theological discourse, but, um, there is certain frameworks that they're interpreting things as, and yeah, I don't really know. Like I, I just kind of just nod and like, Oh, okay. Is that, <laughs> is that do they do a like, lot of Bible study and stuff, Jerry? Like, is that a yeah. major aspect of, of what yeah. they do? They do a lot of Bible study, but um, yeah, I don't know where they get their, their views from. So they're kind of, it's like a mixture of like things that they've absorbed from other sources, but then kind of their own interpretation of that interpretation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then the, the last video, I don't think we should bother talking about the voice <laughs> in the desert exposed with Kyle, <laughs> Kylo Ren in it. That was such a bizarre. We, we watched some weird documentary where this guy was dressed up as Kylo Ren, some Russian, uh, was he like Ukrainian or something, Estonian? Romanian. Romanian. And then it was just a video, like one picture of, of Dave McKay with, with horns and being zoomed in <laughs> and zoomed in. So I didn't find that very helpful. Um, yeah, it was like, what and was that, Jerry? Repeating, who are you, Dave? Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the deep voice, get away, get away from me. I don't want any pictures. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Uh, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Something about... Oh, yeah, there's just not a lot of material about them either out there. Like, there's not a lot of documentaries that they either haven't produced themselves or are really, contra like, critical and going down the cult angle. There's not a lot of, like, kind of balanced documentaries on them, is there, Joe? No. No. I mean, they're very small, so I kind of, I don't, I'm not surprised. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's not a lot of academic literature on them and not a lot of any, other than critiques from cult busters, there's really uh, only a handful of other you know, sources about them. Yeah. What do you think it is that the, the, um, Rick Ross hates so much about it? Like, is it because is there a large cohort of, of disgruntled ex-members that like, is that what's putting fuel in the fire or he just hates Dave on a personal level? Well, that's, it's, that's like Rick Ross's, um, uh, career is him like going after heresy. Mm. So oh, it's just in like, a, oh, Christians in particular. Like ex-Christian um, related? He's I like, think so. I don't know if he just... I think he does anyone, really. <laughs> I think, yeah. So the JCs are just another group that fits into his understanding of what is a bad, evil cult. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just part of... It's the economy that he trades in. He trades in, like, oh, I'll come and fix your, your misled young adult um and you can pay me for that so i just was wondering whether there was something sort of special or like they had something particular with the jc's yeah i'm not sure there might be but uh, i don't know i haven't looked into um rick ross very very deeply i've just looked at who he is and yeah yeah his history 
Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, I lo- I listened to the podcast as well, the um, the Sue and um, Roland. Roland, yeah, yeah, that that interview. So they're ex members now. Yeah, they're ex members like ten or more years ago. Mm. So they're still living the same way as JCs basically live. Yeah, I think so. I think this they have a website and they there's like kind of similarities in what they do. Um, Sue in particular, she she's kind of continued on with the whole kidney donation thing and has Did donated. Yeah, she's donated other parts of her body. Mm. <laughs> um, I think I, I wrote it down. Roland she's, was annoyed, she said, that when, he, when she donated her liver or part of her liver. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And their theory was that <clears throat> um, it's okay because people who donate their liver generally live longer than people that don't donate their liver because they're healthier people, which, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure I just, yeah, I'm just... of that, but, <laughs> yep, that's, that's a view. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's an idea that's yeah. out there. Um, but it's like, it's her body, like... She can do yeah. what she wants. Like that's well, her prerogative. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. she's um, helping people. <laughs> and they seem quite nice people. Um, I guess like from what they were talking about and their their view of the world. Um, I don't know. They, they actually on a side thing. It's funny that they've got a camper van and they. I don't know if you caught it, the end of the interview, they're talking about how they drove to the interview and their camper van only takes like um, reworked vegetable oil. Oh yeah. And they're not sure if it's going to run or they hope it will and they'll see how they go and they'll just get like donations of vegetable oil. Yeah. I didn't really understand how that worked. I don't, (laughs) it's like, can you run, a van out of vegetable oil? Is that I don't real? think like... it's good for the engine, but yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. another idea that's there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Works for them. Yeah. Um, um, but what we should mention, what's interesting about that interview is that they are being interviewed by Bobby Kelly, who was the 16-year-old boy who was allegedly kidnapped by Sue and Roland um, all those years ago. Mm. So which he wasn't kidnapped. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, so it's interesting that like all these years later as an adult, he's talking to them and kind yeah. of talking about that event and how they live currently. Is he still a member, Jerry? No, he was never a member. He just, he was just like hanging out with them and wanted oh, to like right. participate in distributing and mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. And what do you keep eating and then spitting out? What the hell are you doing? I'm not spitting out anything. I'm eating gold. I see. Oh, I see you spit them out. <laughs> Take them out of your mouth. It's <laughs> uh, me putting them in my mouth. Oh, right. Yeah. See, what, what happens when you grab food? You've got to then put it in your mouth. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, so Joel's, see? Oh. There's another oh, visual wait, thing visual. which Mark is going to like. J-O-L-O. Ben is holding up a packet of Joel's. Hmm. And if you look at how small they are, this is why, like, it's kind of awkward to eat them. Like, they're very... Yeah. How small. (laughs) All right. Is that it? Are we all done? 
think so. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I think it was interesting. It was cool to talk about um, it straight after Scientology because I, I think that there's definitely some similarities there I'm in some ways. You know, I think that both have at times been misrepresented in the media and at other times they've both had some controversies as well. Mm. Not that they're mm. the same, but I mean, almost actually with the monetary aspect, quite opposite, but anyway. Mm. Yeah, I think that it's just important to remember that, you know, I'm not saying that everything the JCs do is like, oh, they're wonderful and they've never made any mistakes. Like they have made mistakes and they do sometimes do things that I'm like, okay, like, that's like, I, I don't know how I feel about that. But it, the point is that it's not unique to them as a cult. It's, mm. it's just humanity. Like you have some people that do things sometimes and it doesn't have the best consequences. Um, and I think mm. it's just, yeah, important to remember that there's a lot of complexity and you can't put it into simple narratives of yeah. Yeah, and regardless, I think forcibly removing people and, and whether they are being an aspect of brainwash or not, I just think is, it totally disrespects that that person had any sort of individual um, willpower to join in the first place and just seems just totally um, unethical to, to just sort of kidnap people away from it and vice versa for the cults to kidnap with if they had people in the first place. But I imagine it, it would be pretty easy to remove yourself from the JCs if you want to you just you know buy a fast car and just <laughs> zoom past the buses or something you know what I mean like there would yeah. be ways yeah like it, it, there is ways I mean it is difficult when you have given everything you own and all your money True. <laughs> to then be like all right bye yeah um I understand that 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 would be very hard but people still leave and sometimes the JCs do help members leave so they'll like they will give them money to kind of to allow them to like maybe buy a ticket home or something so they don't just they're not completely like callous and like okay get out like you're on the street now bye yeah yeah cool yeah. any last minute things ben do you want anything no um but uh actually just one last thing that the sue um and roland they campaigned for Julian Assange's um, uh, expedition, which is interesting. Um, so it mm. sort of crosses over to um, internet censorship and openness in the world, um, which maybe we can return to in a future episode. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Well, cool. bye everybody. Stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs> in these challenging times, <laughs> stay safe. <laughs> <laughs> bye.